I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Sweden. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Spear Brained Ideas. Now, I went and checked that out. That's an interesting name for a company. I love it. He received his first MVP award in February this year, if I've got that right. He's a Microsoft Dynamics NAV and Dynamics 365 Business Central developer. Uh, he greatly enjoys the process of continuous learning and teaching others. I think that's such a, um, uh, something we see across all MVPs. It's so cool. Um, he did not attend higher education. Neither did I. I've never been to university. Um, but he got his MCSE, which is interesting because the parallels here are uncanny. I headed down. That's how I got into IT by um, doing my exams for MCSE. You can find him on Twitter at Jeremy Vesky uh, or his Visca or his website, jeremyvisca.info. Jeremy, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Wow. So you're a American by birth, is that right? But uh, living in Sweden. That is correct. Yes. Uh, we migrated to Sweden in 2014, my family and I. Wow. Wow. Tell me, tell me a bit about family uh, and and the things that you do when you're not in front of your computer, unless fun of the entertainment is gaming or something like that. But um, yeah, what do you do when you're not doing IT and tech stuff? <laughs> well, you know, that's always an interesting and challenging question since my family are a bunch of people who love to be in front of computers. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, a lot of the time we do actually spend together is gaming as a family. Uh, we play a lot of tabletop games. We uh, uh, play uh, software games um, and that sort of thing. So, um and we actually do spend a lot of time as a fam with computers. But um, uh, one of the peculiarities to our little world is that we're all uh, Spectrum folks in the house. And that's been an interesting journey of discovery for ourselves. Uh, so um, one of the things that we came to realize with uh, learning about being on the Spectrum and how all that interacts with everything 
is that we're more prone to find comfort in games as part of the social experience because those sort of things develop uh, a set of social rules by which you operate by with each other. And that gives you a nice framework to work with. Uh, so, uh, for example, I do uh, dungeon mastering in Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, one of the uh, great things I recently saw from the Microsoft community is uh, the uh, Heather Newman uh, over at the community management team uh, mentioned she had just tried her first D&D experience and she had a great time. And I pointed out to her, you know, there's so many interesting parallels to playing that role of Dungeon Master in Dungeons and Dragons and implementing uh, business systems and things like that because you have so many random variables that you just have to adapt to people doing unexpected things. And it's a remarkably great experience to have for being able to improvise towards a goal. And I think that's really relevant for a lot of business uh, processes and trying to implement new systems where people maybe have never done anything different before. And you need to be able to guide them through that process, even if they don't always quite do what you expect them to. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is interesting. Now you've you've got my, you know, feelers going off all different different ways here with what with what you've said. So first of all, tell us about when you say on the spectrum, um, I am not 100% I understand what you mean there. So can you can you explain that to me? Oh, sure thing. Um, when we moved to Sweden, um, our son at the time was about six years old. And we he's very much in that quintessential, quiet, very polite, gets along well with adults sort of kid. And, you know, very, very uh, constrained diet, super picky eater. And when we got here, the medical system is part of schools. So the nurse at the school kind of noticed his eating habits and went, you know, this is something that needs to be explored. This is an early indicator of a child who's on the autism spectrum, you know, very much in what used to be called the high functioning uh, style of things, you know, perfectly uh, no learning disparity. Uh, impairments. But um, when we went through the process of the medical system here, uh, they were able to diagnose that he is autistic, uh, that he has ADHD and all that sort of thing. Um, and every bit of advice that they gave us for trying to manage uh, living with an autistic child and working with all of those different components, we already did all of those things because my wife and I needed those for life adaptations. <laughs> and we, we ended up turning the tables and giving them more advice to give to the next family. <laughs> wow. So, th so that's, that's what I was like, yeah, how did that play into your, you, you realize it, but you, you knew yourself around your own life and had already applied these things um, uh, with the child. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. It, it's interesting this, I find the subject so interesting at the moment because I have been doing um, training on it myself um, with my employer, and uh, we have a facility set up specifically for people, which they they put it under the category of neurodiversity. Um, and and what I didn't realize, so many things like can either create a, a, an environment that you can work effectively, or you if you are put in an environment that has things that um, 
that you know might work for me is not necessarily going to work for somebody that's neurodiverse and and i couldn't believe it's things like you know um strong perfumes um uh, loud noises interruptions lights flickering can can you know be have an effect and um even being an open planned office for some people that's just frightening for them as opposed to being in a space that they can you know have control over and so what blew me away is in joining this company is the amount of uh, we, we've constructed facilities specifically for staff. And the other thing that blew me as in that, 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 that come into our, uh, you know, to work for the company was that there, I couldn't believe there are many, many PhD people with PhDs that had never been employed because they've never had a work environment that catered to their needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, blew, that blew, blew me away that, you know, we're, we're missing out uh, from a, uh, a work environment on the rich diversity that comes from creating an environment that everybody feels comfortable in. Absolutely. And that is very much been my experience so far that many companies don't know how to work with neurodiverse people and how to create environments where they can play to their strength. Um, you know, uh, I chatted with my uh, staff about this. There's about to be four of us total at Spare Brained Ideas. Um, and uh, while a couple of folks are not officially diagnosed just because medical procedures in their countries make it a little harder to get diagnosed, um, the, uh, we're all neurodiverse at the company. And part of the reason that uh, people are enjoying working with me is because of the awareness of how to work with that and how to play to those strengths. Um, for example, we're doing a lot of stuff around Business Central with testability and doing things, uh, thinking things through and providing good quality testing. And guess what? You know, Spectrum people are really, really good at examining all the what ifs and, and finding all the nooks and crannies of making sure that you're doing things the right way. <laughs> I love this. I love this. So if we look at your journey into, um, I assume it was NAV originally and then now into Business Central, tell me what was that journey? What was that career journey for you? <laughs> well, it's a it's a bit of an oddball one. Um, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, there was, you know, I didn't go to higher education. Um, I uh, in during high school was very much one of those kids that played with computers all the time. And, you know, even earlier beyond that, um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm able to hang with some of my uh, peers who have been in the industry even longer than I have, because I grew up playing with Commodores and the, the real old tech, you know, acoustic couplers back when modems were the thing. So uh, I've been playing with tech for a very long time. And uh, in my growing up, I ended up working uh, for some small companies like Kinko's, and, and various other, they're gone now, they're FedEx, but um, being able to provide uh, help with the computer systems in their retail shops. Uh, once I left high school, I realized that one of the better paths open to me was uh, following the certification path rather than higher education path. Um, I worked as an IT administrator for a 200-person silversmith company uh, that had been around for a few hundred years uh, in the U.S., and and uh, was their everything guy. So solve all of our problems that aren't the ERP system. 
If it's not ERP, it's your, yours to figure out. Um, I transitioned there uh, to working with an IT consulting company, uh, and that was a fun one. Um, they weren't sure, you know, I was a relatively young person. I was about 19, 20 years old at the time, uh, and, um, you know, I didn't have very many credentials. I had the one, and they were like, well, I'm, we're not sure you're going to be a right fit for a consultative organization. Uh, and they said, we'll give you three months to see how it works. And I said, okay. But if I get my MCSE within three months, you'll bump my salary up a little bit and we can call this put to bed. Uh, and a month later, I took all of the MCSE exams, all seven of them in two days uh, and just knocked it out. <laughs> so if you did seven, that means you did the, uh, was it the internet related one? Where Like, sorry, it was whatever the Microsoft web server was back then. ISS, was it? I uh, no, that was a, at the time, uh, that would have been probably 99. So that would have been all the certifications were originally in NT40 and, <laughs> uh, Exchange Server and SQL Server, all of those as optionals. So, yep. And that little practice where I was a network consultant, uh, we were swamped with Y2K stuff. And then when that started to calm down, uh, right after the New Year's and everything kept ticking over, <laughs> um, there wasn't as much to do, but they were also an NAV partner. So I said, well, send me to dev school. Let's, let's get some extra hours. You know, I'd like to contribute to any organization. I'm not billing as much as I should be. So send me to dev school. And that's one of the, the easy maths for me. It was right after Y2K that I was like, okay, let's, we need to start doing something else. And uh, so started down the path of development, did some really big, scary, giant projects for a while. Um, and, uh, a lot of fun little moments. I was at Navision headquarters when they announced the merger with uh, Demgord at the time, uh, the uh, Exapta uh, system that now is Dynamics FNO, if I recall, yeah. the evolution Don't, correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finance now, isn't it? Yeah, I think they even dropped O out of it. Yeah. Oh, did they? <laughs> Sometimes it is a challenge to keep up with the naming team. Um, I wish they were going in a direction of making it more searchable with their naming rather than less, but, uh, yep. So, uh, slowly over time, uh, one of the quirks to, uh, you'll see it very common with people who are ADHD is they have, uh, really jumpy resumes because of what we were talking about with companies that aren't a great fit or they need, uh, all sorts of different activities. They need new project types. They need challenges. Uh, doing the same old, same old after a while is a challenge. So I've moved through a lot of partners in the U.S. Uh, that were smaller, that were startup companies. And slowly but surely, that meant doing lots more things. So I became an MCT. I've done, you know, implementations myself, uh, learned complicated payroll systems that were built into NAV, uh, and became sort of an all-around person. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun moving forward because now small business owner again, actually, um, that may, that puts me in the position where there's always a need to know as much as I can about everything. Mm, 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 mm. The NAV product and, you know, I don't sit in that part of dynamics land. I sit in the, what was CE, which now they've got rid of as well, it seems. Um, but in the NAV product, 
it, correct me if I'm wrong. It's the it's the on premise version that at some point Microsoft has said, "Hey, we're moving to the cloud," and they created Business Central. But it was there's evidence of NAV in its history. Are are you seeing in in Europe still a massive um, install base of NAV? So therefore, on premise rather than on cloud with Business Central. The biggest reason I see for uh, there being a lot of still on-premise is that there's licensing investment. There's infrastructure investment. So it can be a challenge when you take an existing company that is, uh, you know, somewhere in their past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe they've paid 10, 20,000 euros worth of licensing to own a license of NAV on-prem. Uh, and they've maintained, bought and, you know, scrapped and all the life cycle of server ownership. It, becomes an interesting challenge for them to look at migrating to the cloud because effectively they're throwing away that license investment. There's not exactly a transition where you can say, well, we spent 20000 on this because you do get a lot of extra wonderful things for being in the cloud. There's a good reason for it being an extra charge, uh, but it is a challenge to encourage people to cross that barrier. Um, and at the moment, Microsoft is mostly enticing people over with functionality. Um, so there's a lot of great functionality that you get as part of having that cloud license. There's a lot of, you know, power automate and power platform things that come with business central cloud. Um, and they continue to do a great job of uh, improving the tools to migrating on-prem to cloud. Uh, but it, it is a real challenge to encourage a company to take what was a capital asset and say it now needs to be an expense. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally, totally. It's just a totally different mindset. The because you know I went through it in 2011, 2012 when the CRM world moved to cloud back then, and we had that same thing. It was there was a there was a three four year period of no, we want to stay on prem as opposed to cloud. Cloud wasn't parodied yet, and then it changed. And of course, now I haven't been on a project for five years that has had anything but cloud, um, which is just crazy. The how did you become an MVP? What was that path for you? <laughs> um, well, you know, and I had a really funny moment after uh, Dynamics Con in 2021 last year in the spring. Um, I was a speaker for the very first time uh, at that conference. That was one of the first real uh, industry events that I attended as a presenter. And I had uh, a follow-up chat with someone who was in the training space. And it was a hilarious sort of conversation of, you know, up until about two months ago, I've not heard of you before. And now it feels like I hear nothing but you. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, becoming an, uh, I will phrase it this way, becoming worthy of an MVP was something that I've always wanted for 10, 15 years. Um, the, the actual word itself is in a recognition of efforts you've put into sharing knowledge and helping lift others up. So 
regardless of whether I earned the MVP or not, uh, I wanted to be worthy of that title. And I actually got nominated. Uh, well, I got asked many times last year uh, throughout the year if I should be nominated. And I said, not yet. I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. I, I held out for actually quite a long time and it wasn't until December of last year that I said, okay, I, I accept the nomination because now I feel like there's a body of work that, that makes it worthwhile. I love it. I love it. I love your thinking and, and the clarity on that. Yeah. And so it was a variety of different things. Uh, I did a lot of uh, speaking on my own platforms via Twitch. Um, I had been doing some development live streams for a long while. Uh, at the moment, those are paused just because we're very busy. Um, but I did a lot of uh, special events for training around particular topics. Um, I wrote my first book uh, last year that, on Business Central that... Um, it, it was something, again, in the same category of I've wanted to for a long time. Uh, I wanted there to be a really good uh, introduction to Business Central for people who've never worked with it before. Uh, there, I didn't feel like as good as the doc site is, as good as Learn is, there's something to be said for if I sit down with a book in front of a copy of Business Central, at the end of this, can I build? Can I invoice? Can I ship? Can I pay things? And I wanted there to be some tool in the ecosystem where you could do that. Um, and so that was a fun one. Uh, you can actually download the first couple of chapters for free that are just overall system guides, and people are welcome to enjoy that, use that. It tells you about how the product works and what's in the box. Um, and that's we'll get that fun. in the show notes. We'll get a, a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> sure thing. Um, so there was speaking at conferences. There was a lot of streaming. Uh, I've done, uh, you know, a variety of different um, t uh, topics on different things, released some utilities for the business central world. Um, so lots of bits and pieces in many different places. And many of them were around things I needed for my own staff or my own customers as well. Uh, but rather than just make that for our internal use, I said, let's make that available for everybody. I like it. This is so good. I find it so intriguing talking to you, but our time is up. Um, so so uh, my last question, and we'll finish on this, is what's your advice to other people that, that uh, want to become an MVP? Um, I would say the biggest thing is share your journey um, because any path you walk to any product you're working with, someone else is going to try to follow the same path. And if you're the kind of person who is laying down guide markers, some different bits and pieces of instruction for those people along the way, you'll find out that in short order, there's a whole bunch of people who are following the trail markers you're laying and you very quickly will have created for yourself the enough value that you can maybe also feel worthy of that. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. Thanks again and see you next time.